Welcome, all you creatures of the night and late night prowlers. This is the latest podcast episode in gore and guts, slasher screams and squeals, and all the things which conjure up your nightmare. To be afraid is accepted, but it won't save you from the dangers which leer right over your shoulder and breathe down your neck. When the lights are out and the night is still, the beating of your heart will give away your hiding place. It will find you, and it will not be forgiving. This is It Records. <laughs> Look at me, Damien! It's all for you! That the power of Christ compels you! It's alive! Oh, it's alive! It's alive! Don't you blame the movies! Movies don't create psychos! What's blood for? If not for shooting. I'm your number one fan. We all go a little mad sometimes. Welcome back, all you creatures of the night and creatures of the day. Wherever you are, I appreciate you tuning in today to the It Records podcast. We're back at you. It is I, one of your many hosts emerging from the shadows, Matt Johnson. I am here, along with the other beautiful co-hosts of this show, Peter Lindsay. Thanks for coming by again. Glad we could get you on retainer and get you into the you studio. Know it. Are we one person? Like you're a Peter Lindsay is very. Uh, you know what's it's like funny? We're a two-headed person almost. You know what's funny yes. is I know somebody with that name, so they do. Do exist. you really? He does exist. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> But I was not referring to you as one entity. I may have sped right through it because I have had quite a bit of iced coffee today, but I'm introducing you both. We have three people here. Three people in the studio. It's good to be here. Back at it again. <laughs> yeah, so before we kind of launch into this movie we're doing, as well as give the audience a little insight into these next round of movies we're going to watch, because we just finished up last time with a zombie subgenre where we went over Night of the Living Dead, we did Shaun of the Dead, and the final one was 28 Days Later. So we have a new kind of genre or area we're going to look at. But before we launch into that, we'll leave you with a cliffhanger there. I'm going to ask you guys, what have you been watching, horror or otherwise? What's been on the docket? to the show. It's time to find out what the terrible trio have been watching. Or who has been watching them. You know, I'm going to throw it to Lindsay first. Lindsay, what's been on the tube? Um, well, I decided to give Dawson's Creek a chance a few weeks ago. So I literally just started the show. I think I'm on episode three or four. So it's like brand new. Um, I've been very annoyed with the character of Pasty. Um, and that's Joshua Jackson, right? Is that? Yes. Okay. Um, yes. I find, I don't know. I'm just not really vibing with the character, but it's early, you know, so maybe things can change. Um, I don't really, I doubt it, but you know. <laughs> like I said, I'm only on season one, and I think there's like six or seven seasons or something like that. So, um, but my main attention really has been held. Um, I watched all of the seasons of Bachelor in Paradise, 
uh, that are on there on Hulu. So that's three seasons. Um, it's a great show. It is a spinoff of the Bachelor franchise. And um, you can't really ask for any more um, from reality television, like with the dating kind of, you know, they pretend like it's about dating, but it's really not. Like, it's really more about like producer you know, manipulated drama, but you know, here for it. So, um, that's what's been going on with me. So they got me hook line, hook line and sinker. I'm in <laughs> whatever makes you exactly. happy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, how about you, Matt? Me, what have I been watching? I have been, I'll start with horror. I watched the movie we did for this episode, but I also just watched the changeling recently which one the 1980 one i guess the other was the angelina jolie's one is not really a horror movie no it's a different movie yeah it's not like a remake or anything but yeah the 1981 with george c scott that is like a haunted house one came out the same year as the shining um similar subgenre um that was great i watched black christmas again recently and that was fun Black Christmas, The Exorcist. I watched that. That was that was fun. It's been a while since I've watched that. We did that one on this episode, this podcast years ago. And I haven't been watching much yeah, TV. It was the fourth episode. Was it fourth? Fourth. I knew it was in the the top few for sure. But TV, nothing. I I really don't can't think of any shows I've been watching. Uh, but it's been mainly movies. I watched Judas and the Black Messiah that just came out. Uh, recently on HBO Max, The Little Things, the other one that came out recently on HBO Max, and uh, Hillbilly Elegy, which was on Netflix. I watched that one, the Ron Howard one. Mm. And really, the final thing that I watched that is a TV show is Jeopardy. I watch that just for fun sometimes. That's they're on Perfect. Netflix some shows, and I'll, I'll turn that on and nerd out on some trivia. You would, you were, you would watch Jeopardy. Hell um, yeah. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. <laughs> Love Jeopardy. It's great. But that, that about wraps it up for me, horror otherwise. So that, that would leave us with Pete. What have you been watching? I think the last time that we spoke, you were into about 25, 30 seasons of Survivor, if I remember correctly. Yes, we're still going strong with Survivor. Um, we're on season 25. Okay. Uh, the Philippines. It had three returning players. Ooh. Um, I don't know if you remember any of them. The probably the one that you may remember the most is uh, Penner, Jonathan Penner. He's part of the one animals. that about scooping. You remember scooping? He's from he's he's from early on when you watched it because you said you watched it more early on. He was in the second season. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah the. the the theme, not really a theme, but like they had three players that were all medically evacuated at one point, and uh, that's the, the, uh, the that's who the three returning players were. They all like got a second chance Ooh. to like play the game because they all were medically evacuated. And so far, the season's really good. Is one of them been... Michael from season two? Yeah, Michael Scoopin. Oh, that's that Michael. Okay, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> yep. Proceed. <laughs> no, yeah, the guy who fell in the fire, which was fucking awful. Yeah, it was terrible. 
I remember watching it as a, a kid when I first saw it on TV. Were you scarred for life? I don't know, scar, but it definitely left an impression <laughs> that like I, re- I remember that scene. Like <laughs> I, when I think of Survivor, oh yeah, Michael fell in the fire. Just... Yeah. Besides that, we're slowly getting back into the Handmaid's Tale because we took a big break from that. That's kind of hard. Heard that's to... really it's... intense. It's really good. It's also really intense. The we took a big break for the last few years because it just felt like too real a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. But movies, I'm glad you asked because I've been watching a lot of those lately. Because uh, HBO Max has been has a shit ton in their library. I'm pretty sure they're all almost all these. So like, I finally watched M. Uh, Matt. I love M. Yeah, Emma's great. Um, that was my first Fritz Lang movie, I believe, because I have not seen Metropolis. That's a Don't cool need... one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I fell asleep during it, but that was my bad because I watched it at like midnight, and that movie is like two and a half hours long. <laughs> yeah. And a silent movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't help. Um, I also watched Logan's Run recently, which is like came out the year before Star Wars, which is really weird to think about because it like the effects are like vastly like inferior. Um, but it's still, it had, it had some fun campy moments. Uh, but the guy who plays Basil and Austin Powers is in it. He's like the main guy, which really threw me off. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, I was like. Oh, yeah, I Why do I it. know this guy's voice? I was like, this guy's voice is so familiar. <laughs> it's fucking Basil from Austin Powers. <laughs> then I watched Unfaithful, which is a uh, erotic thriller, which is great. I'm all for <laughs> those genres. It's I love like Basic Instinct. Fucking love it. <laughs> is uh, it in watched... that same time period, Unfaithful, or is it more modern? Unfaithful's early two thousands. Early two thousands. Oh, okay. We got a little Richard Gere in here. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, all the moms love him. I feel like I know my mom does, so that's just what I'm basing it about. Oh, and I it's, watched. It's by the same director of Fatal Attraction. Yeah, which is also great. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sorry. Continue your list. No, no. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, uh, like this is why this is our val- our Valentine's. We watched a lot of movies during Valentine's Day weekend because Courtney had like a four day weekend. We watched Unfaithful, Freaky, which was that new like. Um, oh yeah. Uh, I think Blumhouse movie that Vince Vaughn was in. He like changed his bodies with like a teenage girl, and he's a serial killer. Oh. So that was fun. Is that on oh. HBO Max or? No, we rented it, but we yeah, got a okay. deal. We got a Valentine's Day deal. It was originally a twenty dollar rental, and we got it for six bucks. And I was like, "I'll take that deal." How'd you do that? That's a bargain. I just, just we sweet just talk decided, execs. Exactly. Yeah, you know, I whispered, I whispered into Google's ear, and I was like, "Hey, <laughs> can I get that? Can I get that uh, promo code?" <laughs> Works like a charm. And I, and I got a you know got a good deal, obviously. Nice. Well, that's great. Yeah, and then uh, we watched Cinderella, but the one that had me in it, that was 
Courtney's suggestion because that's one of her favorites from childhood. I had never seen it, mm-hmm. and it had a lot of famous people in it, like Whoopi Whitney Goldberg. Houston? Is Winnie Houston in that? Yeah, Winnie Houston's in it, and um, it yeah, she's a fairy godmother. Wasn't that one of those like ABC TV movies made for TV yeah. movies back in the day? Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember was. watching that one, but it's been probably fifteen years at least since I've. I've literally never. Yeah. Jason Alexander's in it. Oh, of course, oh, George yes. Costanza. Because he could actually sing, which is funny. Yeah, he's actually like a trained actor. Like of all the Seinfeld people, he was like a trained actor. Um, the other ones were like comedians. Yeah. <laughs> on that show. Um, and then to finish off our Valentine's Day uh, weekend, we watched Body Heat, which is another erotic thriller <laughs> that we've watched. Why does that sound so familiar? Body it Heat. is great. It's it's William Hurt um, and Kathleen Turner, who's yeah. in Friends. She plays Chandler's dad. Um, oh, wow. Oh, but... What I found out she was the voice of Jessica Rabbit, and that fucking like blew my mind. That's I think that's really all I know her from. She's probably in another thing. Buddy, it's great. If you're, it's like really neo noir, and it's written, I mean, directed by the guy who wrote, who wrote Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Lawrence Kasan, I think his name is. That's a good one. Mickey Rourke's in that movie too, and Ted Danson. Yeah, right. Mickey Rourke, <sighs> stunned, stunned how fucking attractive he used to be because I forgot because he looks crazy now. Yeah, and he's like a young boy. I shouldn't say boy, a young man. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was just like, oh my god, he looks unrecognizable of how different he used to be. Yeah, he looks much different today. Yeah. And to finish off what I did, another Mickey work romp. Well, he's still looking attractive. He had great hair in it. Uh, this movie called Diner. I believe it's Barry Livingston. Or is that how you say his name? Do you know what I'm talking about? Is that the guy who did like Adam Family and? No, he did Rain Man. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm thinking of Sorenston, right? Yeah. Oh God. I'm trying to think who you're thinking of. He, that's like he did like Men in Black. Yeah. In in Rush Hour. Yeah. You're oh thinking you're thinking of a different person. I am. Who the f is his name? Soddenfield. Soddenfield. Barry yep. Soddenfield. Yep, that's him. And then that's the one. Fucking diner had Stephen. Uh, no, I had what's his name? Gutenberg. Stephen Gutenberg. That yeah. Him? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's he's young. Kevin so that's Bacon's like a, young. An '80s movie, right? Yeah, it's what? great. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, Gutenberg, a young <laughs> Bacon, it. a young Mickey Wark, um, the dude Daniel Stern, who is the bad guy in Home Alone. That's not Joe Pesci. Oh, I like him. Yeah, he's super young in that movie. There's a lot of recognizable people in that movie that are all young, and I was like, "What's going on?" <laughs> uh, taking it back. It's like a coming of age movie where they're just like all like early college years. They're kind of just like coming into manhood and they're just like, it's kind of like American graffiti in a way. 
But I liked it a lot better than American Graffiti because I'm not a fan of that movie. And this mm-hmm. movie is called Diner? Yeah. Cool. I'm look into it. Some of the guys, though, it's like I was like, maybe this is just 1950s because it's supposed to take place in 1950s. I was like, man, that guy is like shitty as hell to his wife. Ah. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know if that's his 1950s men or just yeah. or just the way the movie was written. Because <laughs> he gets mad, at, like Daniel Stern's character gets mad at his wife for going through his albums by not putting them back the way that he has them. Because he has them in a very specific way. He has them alphabetical, by genre, and by year. Mm. And he's just like, don't fucking touch my records if you're not going to put them back the way they want them. <laughs> yeah. I was, like, man, I was like, man, that guy's a, a dick. <laughs> a little bit of a loose cannon. You could say. So Pete's been busy with, with movies since we... Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I took a lot of time there because I watched a lot. <laughs> no, it's okay. We wanted to hear it. Yeah, that's the segment. Was Pete been watching horror or otherwise? And it was not horror at all. <laughs> yeah. But other than those we've we've discussed so far, we did watch one other film for this podcast. <laughs> the movie we watched this week is the nineteen seventy seven film, The Hills Have Eyes, directed by. The Wes Craven, written by the Wes Craven. And that kind of will, I guess, start the ball of our next little genre of films we're going to watch. Instead of doing a subgenre like vampires or zombies or slashers, we've decided we're going to do a director and we've chosen the works of Wes Craven. So, this first one that we are going to look at is The Hills Have Eyes, and we'll have more to come. But we're going to get really into some of his early stuff here. Uh, 1977. The Hills Have Eyes, and if you haven't seen it, uh, just a basic synopsis of the movie. Uh, On the way to California, a family has the misfortune to have their car break down in an area close to the public and inhabited by violent savages ready to attack. That's just a very surface-level synopsis of the movie, a little one-liner to get you in the seats. But that's The Hills Have Eyes. Before we kind of go into the horror significance and the plot, um, I believe this was my choice this week. Is that correct? Did I choose this one for Wes Craven? The Hills you have sure eyes. Chose it. This was me. Okay, The Hills Have Eyes, nineteen seventy-seven. I knew that. I picked it. But uh, had either of you seen it prior to this? Uh, any variation? Spoilers for sequels or remakes? But have you, have you seen it? I have not seen this one. I've seen the remake before, um, and that was that. I did not see. I've not seen the sequels to either one. Okay, so this is the first time watching the original one. Yeah. 19... Cool. All right, Lindsay, had you seen The Hills Have Eyes, nineteen seventy-seven, before? Um. So I don't think that there's been one movie that you guys <laughs> have suggested throughout the four years and some change that I've been doing this podcast with you. That I have seen before. So uh, this movie is no exception. Um, have not seen it before. That's that's fair. I think we should we should go back and look at the tapes and see, you know, if there's one in there anywhere that Lindsay was like, oh, hell yeah. This is one of my favorite <laughs> movies. Seen it. What about Urban time. Legend? I guess you weren't Ooh. there for... Yeah, I wasn't part of it, but I oh, have seen true. that. That's true. And Scream, yeah, she was... Lindsay wasn't a yeah. part of either. We know she's seen Scream. Yeah. 
Wait, she wasn't there for Scream either? That, that Sadly, was no. That was uh, pretty early on still, too. Yeah. I think yeah. Lindsay's first one was Misery with us. Is that That's, correct? Yeah. Good that memory. Is correct. Yeah. Yeah, and Scream was before that. I've got the uh, the whole catalog memorized in my brain from release date. <laughs> it's definitely necessary I for... I do. I think I do actually, <laughs> and it's useful for almost nothing. <laughs> yeah. That was not but true, but it's there. But just for <laughs> moments like this is when it might become relevant. <laughs> but yeah, but like, what if I like I go on a job interview? I'll be like, hey, you want to know the seventy-five movies that I've recorded for my podcast? Because I'll fucking tell you. <laughs> we have Excel files. <laughs> Uh, sure, sir. Uh, <laughs> we're just asking you to operate a forklift, but I guess that'll help uh, your memory of your podcast. You. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust, trust me, it will. <laughs> well, this this actually marks my first time seeing the original 1977. Okay. So this was, I watched it with fresh eyes, knowing full well about it. But I would say... You know, giving some horror significance before we kind of launch into any sort of the, the plot of this movie. What does it all mean? Does my life have any purpose? At any rate, this movie surely does. It's time to discuss the horror significance. This would fall... This is early Craven, first of all. This, if we're talking Wes Craven, we're talking his movies. I think the only one I'm aware of prior to this, and there's probably some others, is The Last House on the Left, which is a Wes yeah. Craven movie that came out a few years prior to this. Yeah. And this one, basically he was allowed to do this film uh, because of some success he saw with Last House on the Left. I believe he didn't want to do another horror one right away. But uh, he got some backing from a producer who wanted him to make another one. And so we get The Hills Have Eyes. But I would say these also fall into, at that time, maybe exploitation. I mean, I think they could fall into cannibal subgenre as we get into the plot, for sure. Um, it has those elements of it. But of the late 70s, a lot of exploitation movies were coming out. Uh, with his Last House on the Left definitely being one. This one, I Spit on Your Grave, which we've done, I believe is 78. Um, Cannibal Holocaust mm. is around this time, too, which is cannibal, but I would say exploitation. Film. Absolutely. And so that's kind of that subgenre it falls into. Um, and, and here's a question I guess I would pose to you, and, and I'll jump in whenever as, as well. Exploitation movies, we're saying that, but what would you think kind of defines an exploitation movie we've, we've named some titles but what really makes them exploitation horror i would say low budget a lot of gore a lot of nudity um and just like just trying to pull out all the cheap stops to get people to pay to see this movie i don't think i could put it any better than that i agree yeah Succinct, wrapped, uh, tie it off with a bow. That's that's pretty good. <laughs> get a, get asses in the seats. Yeah. Anything. Yeah, whatever it takes. And that was prevalent in the late seventies. So I feel like that's where this movie falls. 
And Craven, at this time in his career, still young, still, I think, developing his name to what we know now. Um, his first movies fell into the exploitation subgenre with Last House on the Left, which we haven't done, but maybe in the future, uh, and The Hills Have Eyes. So that's kind of your just general background into the movie. I guess we can kind of launch into the plot unless you guys have anything to bring up about early Craven. Uh, 1970s Craven that uh, the audience might want to know about. The only thing I wanted to bring up was that were you guys aware that this movie was like based off like an old like folk legend? I, I think I had heard it. Like his inspiration came off of some story of a guy getting was it was it an Irish guy or something getting lost in a desert and or uh, taking a caravan. Yeah, I, I can't remember if it's Ireland or Scotland, but it's, like, based off, like, this family of cannibals, obviously. And they had a clan. So I think it's Scotland, because when I think of clans, I think of Scotland. Or the other As clan. You the, bad, the other bad one. <laughs> um, they, like, hid in a cave because of the high tide. You just, like, couldn't find it. And they killed, like, thousands of people that were traveling... The road. I think they and then like then the king had to send out a special like envoy to like kill this family. I think as as the legend goes, Alexander Sawney B. is the man's name was said to be the head of a forty-five member clan in Scotland in the sixteenth century that murdered and cannibalized over one thousand people in the span of twenty-five years. According to the legend, Bean and his members would eventually be caught by a search party sent by King James VI and were executed for their heinous crimes. So that is the the setup. Or the, the inspiration for The Hills Have Eyes. Thousand people. But that, that also, I guess that brings up another point before I launch into the Act 1, is it falls into the exploitation subgenre, but I wanted to bring up at this time... In horror, I also feel like a lot of the the plots or the character elements of the movie revolved around like the breakdown of the nuclear family, and like the family became, you know, it was a unit that you're familiar with, but it could also be seen as a, a monster. Like before, this was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is, and then you have the Hills Have Eyes, which takes. A family, two different, like a normal family unit that you can recognize, uh, familiar, um, relate to, and then another family unit that's just a, that's just a bit different, but they are a cohesive family unit, um, and maybe that was reflective of the times in the seventies, um, just a breakdown of traditional family norms. Uh, things were changing. It was, you know, a lot. There was the Cultural Revolution in the late sixties and the Vietnam War. Maybe that was some carryover into the horror genre. For sure, yeah. and I I also believe at this time, the uh, the production code of the censors were being uh, basically pulled back. You could do more and more as the you got into the seventies. Was uh, this like before the? Was this before the MPAA, or is this like? Um, that's a good question. I I think the MPAA might have existed at this point, or it. The production code. I think the production code was the main body of, of regulation at the time, which was from like the 30s. MPA. Yeah, 
I knew that, but I couldn't remember when the MPA came into, like, because, like, now they decide everything for ratings, and, like, the production code is, like, no longer a thing, as far as I'm aware. The MPA apparently was made, was founded in 1922, but oh, I, th- wow. I think what you're referring to more so is the movie ratings, right? Yes, yes, yeah. that is what I'm referring to. I don't know exactly when... I mean, the first PG-13, and I, th- I think an R-rated movies was in the 80s. So at this point, I think it was like, if they did, it was G or PG, which was a thing for a while. It was like either general audiences or parental guidance. Like, I remember being able to check out, when I was younger, like, at the library, um, Saturday Night Fever, because it was rated PG. <clears throat> But there's a lot of adult content in that movie. And, but at the time it came out, they didn't have the rate. Now, if you picked it up, it'd, probably, it'd be an R-rated movie. But whatever copy that library had, it was PG. <laughs> yeah, I don't know when R came into... Yeah. I thought R has been around longer. Definitely been around longer than PG-13. Definitely. Because um, PG-13 was... Red Dawn was the first one. Yeah, and but I think Spielberg with Temple of Doom was really it was the, the reason why PG thirteen. I think yeah. he suggested it to the MPAA because he he they were gonna make it like an R rated movie. I think, and he's like, well, it's not. It's it's still a family movie, but it's not for like a six year old because there's that heart scene, which I think was the big thing. The heart scene is like, yeah. oh, this is an adult movie. Um, yeah, so interesting. Or... I'm getting that it was 1968, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that sounds like because I know Midnight Cowboy was like rated X, like because it was like I think it's like considered rated R now, but it's like one of the only rated X films to be nominated for an Oscar. Mm. And that was 69. You're saying? Thanks. Or late 60s. That was definitely late 60. I couldn't remember what year Midnight Cowboy came out. Yeah. Interesting. See, there, there's your little history on the uh, the rating system. Um, yeah. Of, Do you guys remember the first R-rated movie that you saw? Oh, I do. What was it's... it? Mine's kind of embarrassing. Uh, Rambo, like the fourth one. Um, What's the fourth one? Part three? First Blood Part Three? Or whatever. (laughs) No. (laughs) It was like the he came back. You know how like he did like Rocky Balboa? And remember like that was like the sixth Rocky? And I think it was just called Balboa or some shit like that. It was just called Balboa and Rambo came back. Yeah, and then... And then I believe after that, he's just like, you know what? I'm going to do Rambo. I'm just going to call it Rambo. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember they did like, they like didn't even try to like stop us. I was like with a group of fucking, I was in eighth grade, I want to say. And there was like a group of like seven of us. We're just like, okay, we're going to buy different movie tickets. We got <laughs> We got it in the bag. We know exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. And I believe like. One of my friends screwed up the movie, and we're like, fuck, we're screwed. <laughs> like, we're caught. And then the guy was like, we didn't care. Oops. We had no no problems whatsoever. 
That's funny. But still, it was still great because I was just like, I felt like I, I was like, I feel like I can't be here. This movie is amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, was that your first experience of an R-rated movie in theaters? Right, you're saying? Yes. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. And I also believe it's the first time I like technically snuck into a movie too. Yeah. So just like you know, just like double trouble right there. Just like rebellion. I was on. I was on a highest of highs right there. <laughs> okay. Lindsay, do you know what yours was for first R-rated flick? Okay, mine might be more embarrassing than yours. Um, it has to be either Cruel Intentions or uh, The Blue Lagoon when nice. I was 14. <laughs> I have not seen The Blue Lagoon since, since. That is like a really intense movie. The Blue Lagoon. Interesting. Work Shields. Yeah, um, and so that was just like one you saw, and that was just your first R-rated movie, theater or not, right? So, um, not in, yeah, not in a theater. I yeah, didn't okay. try seeing an R-rated movie in theaters till I was seventeen. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I the thing was like I watched Cruel Intentions on Fox Family or ABC Family or whatever it was at the time, and I was like, cool, I'm gonna ask for the real thing. And my parents actually bought it for me, and I don't know what they were thinking. And the real version is a lot different than the ABC Family version, obviously. (laughs) For sure, 100%. Yeah. But you know what? Cruel Intentions actually came back to theaters um, 2019 for, like, the 20th anniversary. So I went and saw it twice, actually. One with, like, my friend, and then the other time with my fiancé, um and like it was like in the same weekend and i had a great time because when that movie came out we were like seven that's awesome but i mean it's really awkward to watch with people so there's that too <laughs> yeah, in a large i don't city. i i mean i could see why you would think that but i disagree because i just think it's really? just like i just think it's just so ridiculous that it's like funny yeah and then like and then that's, that's the enjoyment that I get. Because I, I enjoy that movie. It's funny. It's like... I, yeah. I like it, but I don't think that they could make it today. No. Yeah, I don't know. It's, like, weird. Because, like... It's so... It's so sexual. And isn't it a PG-13 as well? I thought it actually was PG-13. Oh, no. Is it not? I don't know. Real intentions? I think it's R. No, it's. I mean, it's I don't a, know. It's an R. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember yeah, the movie. It's... I I don't remember the movie as well. Maybe it's been a few years since I watched it. <laughs> the ABC Hulu. Family version is PG thirteen, but uh, or TV fourteen. <laughs> but yeah, the real one. I actually preferred the watered down version. It's a little easier to digest. <laughs> but you know. <laughs> What about you, Matt? So, my first m- movie, I don't know for sure, like, that I saw at home, would probably either be Braveheart or The Godfather, or the first, like, R-rated movie, because my dad owned them, and he had... The, both of those movies were on the double VHS tape. So this is pro- this is pre-DVD. <sighs> um, and I actually have, to the left of me, 
those the whole Godfather series on VHS over here because I got my dad for his birthday one year. I got him like the actual collector's edition DVD, Blu-ray DVD, and I said, "Well, now that you wow. have these, I'm taking those VHSs." <laughs> so I have my own copy <laughs> of the of the series. What was one in the, What about theaters? Do you remember? Yeah, I remember the theaters. I can't remember if I snuck into this one. Um, I do remember there was some adrenaline going into this movie. It was either because I was too young. It must have been because I was like 15 or 16 or something. But the one that I saw first was Dave Chappelle's Block Party, which <laughs> is a very interesting one to see if my first already movie in theaters. Which I don't, know if I don't think I've ever seen. Which, I have it, not seen that. It's just like it's like a documentary, basically. Like he has, he holds this block party, and he brings like a bunch of like musicians and comedians um, that he held um, in Brooklyn, and yeah. So oh, I definitely was not seventeen. I was in grade school. So yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> this came out in two thousand six. So I would have been in eighth grade. I've been like thirteen, thirteen or fourteen. Yeah. And I definitely probably snuck into this one. It was great. It was a good time. So there you have it. There's my R-rated movies. Um, but we'll launch into this R-rated flick, The Hills Have Eyes. Come on. Come on. The movie is about to start. Gather round as Matt dishes out the details for Act 1 of this horrifying film. I hope you make it out alive until the very end. To give you a quick Act 1 synopsis of what occurs in this film, and I watched this... It must be a week now, but... It started out... If I remember correctly, it's a family. You're you're watching them as they're driving across some desert landscape. Um, clearly, they're going on some vacation. I believe their destination is ultimately California, is where they're off to. And inevitably, as they're on their way, they run into the gas station of doom, if you will. That that last hiatus for any horror movie goer, where they get their warning sign, where it's like. They, they're stopping off for gas, and it's, well, you, you better not go any further because it's it's kooky crazy out there. And this dad's not for it, um, who is a in the police force, I thought they said. He was in the police force is the, is the father. Uh, yeah, he was retired. A, retired now, okay. With a bad heart, correct? A bad, yeah. A bad ticker. He's got a bad ticker. And him, <laughs> him and his wife are out on this trip, and they have... And help me because I couldn't really understand the relationship of these characters, but we have... Oh my god, either could I. <laughs> okay, perfect. I didn't know who was the offspring of the main... We have an older couple, and there is then two younger couples where I wasn't sure was... I think one was a daughter and was the other a son? Like so. That's what I thought. Okay. So like the older couple... Were married, or I guess I'd say the middle couple. You yes. know, like uh, they mustache, had a baby. Mustache Dan. Yeah, What's his name Dan. It's no idea. Mustache, <laughs> mustache guy. Um, he had a baby. His That's wife right. 
Um, and was his wife a daughter of the older couple? That's that was I my, believe. Okay, that was my interpretation. I think so. And then I thought the two younger people were brother and sister. Mm. Yes. Same. Um okay. Interesting. Cuz I didn't get <laughs> I didn't get vi- I didn't get vibes that they were dating. Um that is my two cents. I could be wrong. I did I don't know like maybe there were some weird interactions with them there where I was like wait they could be dating. I don't know. The movie didn't give me any hints whatsoever. Interesting. I okay. Think... Sorry, go ahead, Lizzie. Yeah, I think that the younger wife and husband, that's the older couple's oldest daughter, and then the two other, uh, yeah, brother and sister. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, that adds up to me because I thought they might have been, the two younger ones I thought might have been in a relationship. That one I wasn't sure of. I also also thought that, so that's why I was confused. Go ahead. <laughs> the only reason I knew it's that, why you would think that the other two weren't is because they had a little smoochy smoochy in the back of that car and the, and they had a kid, so that was an yeah. indicator. Um, a little bit more obvious. <laughs> but the other one I wasn't sure. But okay, th- at least for the, the the listeners, that gives you an idea of how many characters we're working with. Um, we have the, the the two older, the couple, the, the mother and father, and then. An assortment of of four youths, <laughs> assortment of four youths on this trip <laughs> into the desert. That's um, right. And they have like a station wagon car that's pointing along a trailer with them as they're heading off into the desert to California. And they get to this gas station where an, a, an older gentleman who essentially runs this gas station um, is having a rough day. He's, I feel like he's yell, he's talking under his breath to himself, and he's angry about something. And a younger woman. Um, comes into the the store and says, "Take me with you. I want to get out of here." Essentially, I'm paraphrasing, but she wants to 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 go with him, and he he swarts her off and says, "No, I have no idea of the relationship at this point." But basically, says, "You're better off not coming with me." And and as they're getting gas at this location, we are given insight that something's off. Clearly, from that interaction between the the gas station attendant and this woman, but like there is broken windows. With looks like some blood on it, and then like a bloody handprint on the back of a door, and clearly, and you uh, see someone like stalking around a little bit. Okay, yeah. Like, do you remember that? Where like you, it's like in the distance. It looks like they're wearing like furs, is how I would describe it, and you can't really see like their face. It's like really hard to make out like what this individual looks like. And also, I just can't get over what, like, they're doing in the first place in this, you know, their little side trip. Um, one, I don't even know why they're going to California. Two, it's their 25th an- anniversary because it's the silver anniversary. Yes, I looked it up. <laughs> um, what? But they're, um, they're going to a silver mine that someone bought for them because it's their silver anniversary. I just... I don't get that. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what was happening. Someone bought them a silver mine, and the old guys is like, "Don't go out there. That silver's been dried up for years." And I was like, "What the fuck is happening?" <laughs> yeah. Wait, was that really why? Yeah. Oh my god, you're probably right. 
Oh, I did not make that connection. That it was yeah. their silver anniversary, and oh wow, okay. I didn't either, like that, at all. And they're going out to find silver. It was animals. apparently so. Like that's what they said. It was like one line of dialogue, and it, it stuck with me because it was weird. Um, and then so I I got the impression that someone bought this mine for them as a, a present for their wedding anniversary. Okay. Did but not who catch buys... that? But thank you. So for... who? Who buys someone else a wedding gift 25 years later? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> So someone's buying you an anniversary gift that's not married to you. Uh-huh. That's weird. That is kind of... Um... They got really good friends, uh, Bob and Ethel. Was that their names? Yeah, I got it up right here now. I got their names. Ethel is <laughs> such an old lady name. Well, this, is, this is 77, so it might, have been, it might have been relevant back then. Was she born old? <laughs> well, that was 40 years ago, 50 years ago at this point. That's true. Yeah. But Ethel is just like, I feel like you just come out 80 years old if your name is Ethel. Yeah. yeah. It's a, Or Agnes. Name. That's another one. Agnes. Oh, for sure. Agatha. Gertrude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we didn't do this for the next time. just for a while. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> But really, that's that's their setup um, for the movie. They head out into the desert. They don't heed the warnings of this this crazy man at the gas station. And as they head out there, they they had a snafu with the map getting in the guy's face, right? And he kind of blows a tire. And they're they're stranded. That out. dad is he's angry. He's an angry man. He's a very angry dude. He's hey, he's, he's got anger issues and he's got a bad ticker. Yeah. So well, it's about to get break. worse. And you know he's having a tough day. He's trying to get out there in those silver mines and he busts a tire. And as you know, horror trope—they're stranded out there, so they got to find a way to fix his flat. Meanwhile, they are just kind of hanging out um, in their trailer area, and they have two dogs with them. Beauty and Beast, love that. I yes. love that. That that was Absolutely. the dog's names, the Beauty and Beast. And our first real inciting incident, I think, before that kind of leads into Act Two, if you will, is where I I, I got to think of the kid's name. Is it uh, Bobby? He is the youngest of the sons. The, uh, he's the only son. The only son. Uh, one of the dogs runs off. He goes after to chase it, and we we learn the dog. The dog is killed. In some capacity, in some that was beauty mutilated. His beauty. That was beauty. And it was not beauty that killed the beast. It was the beast that killed beauty. It was a beast, a definite beast that killed beauty, and he bon- monster. Bobby bonks his head on the way down. I think, and that, <laughs> I, I would, I would say that really kind of concludes Act One before we get into sort of the hunt of these people. still with us? Are you going to test your luck? Do you think you can make it to the end? We will see. For now, people indulge us with some juicy act to details. Um, and Bobby taking forever to tell anybody of what happened to the dog, which was baffling to me, that he was yes. like, so afraid to say that he saw the dog killed. I think he? he just really loves his dog. 
Yeah. But I feel like I'd, I'd be like, guys, something... Or, the dog is dead at the very least. Like the... Right. In, like, in a very, like, concerning way. Like, it was, like, the guts were taken out. Like, mm-hmm. that's like, okay, guys, this is something weird going on here. Especially... When he found out, when he came back, didn't he come back and then he heard out like about the call on the CB radio that there was a heavy breather being weird to the ladies? Wasn't yeah. that afterwards? You think that he would like maybe put some connection together like, hey, some something's afoot here. Yeah, maybe I should say something. I don't know if he didn't say something as to like, to try to maybe not let, like have the others freak out. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't really get the thought process behind it either, but yeah. Yeah, because it seemed Not like he was also worried about... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I, say, I felt like he was also worried about his dad still taking forever. Yeah, he took back. a very long time. He runs back into that old gas station guy who um, is hiding from him, tries killing himself because he thinks he's someone else. And he starts mm-hmm. talking about um, his son, I believe, um, that was born, I would assume, out of, had radiation poisoning um, because he came out so big, it almost killed his wife. Um, don't know what happened to her. Then he started talking about all the horrible things he did when he was a child and he tried killing him when he got a little older. And left him in the desert, and then he grew up in the desert, thinking that he uh, created a a clan of monsters. Yeah. And and then when you talk about that, fucking gets snagged out of the window, like out of nowhere, by a big, big, manly beast. Yeah. That gives us sort of the backstory to what these things are out there. That you know. Maybe Fred, which I think his name was, the old guy at the gas station, could have said something. Hey, I know <laughs> my my angry, murderous son is out there, and you sh- you shouldn't go out there. But you know, we wouldn't have a movie, so yeah, we don't get that. I didn't think that these, because I'm like somewhat familiar with the remake, because I saw that like a few years ago, longer than that, like ten years ago. Um, I don't remember them having, like, a backstory, per se. Like, I think in the original one, it explains it more than the, than the remake. Or maybe I'm just misremembering, because I don't remember the old man being connected to them in the new one. But then again, I haven't watched it in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But from, I guess from that point... We're really into the meat of the movie. Uh, once we know who this, who these people are, and we start to see them, I guess, and some the killings ensue. At that point, yeah, we see a crucifix. That was it, Leanne, I believe her name is um, the daughter, the youngest daughter, I want to say, um, who goes looking for. Yes, I don't, Bobby. Yes. And she loses Beast. Yeah. Somehow. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. And 
I don't know. I actually don't remember what the kids. This movie is so dark. It's a very dark yeah. movie that's hard to follow. Mm-hmm. I also felt that way watching it. wasn't really sure what was going on. I think the plot jumps around a lot. I think that he had a conception for the idea of this cannibalistic family that, you know, is also, you know, Jupiter, which Jupiter is the main. No, no, it's not Jupiter. It's uh, Jupiter. Yeah, it's, yeah, Jupiter's it's the main guy. Sun. But Jupiter's the sun. Yeah, Jupiter's the guy oh. on the cover of the film. But the dad, who was the, the son of Fred, the gas station attendant, what was his name? Oh, no, it was Jupiter, right? No, I was right. Jupiter. I thought it was. I thought it was Papa Jupiter. You're right. Correct. Jupiter. I'm thinking of is Mercury. Yeah, no, Plut- Mars. Pluto. Pluto's is the yeah. guy on the cover that you, you're familiar with. Pluto is one of the suns. That's my bad. My bad on that one. What's the one? So one gets killed by the dog. Uh, by yeah, which um, you don't even see what he looks like. Yeah, I think that's Mars or Mercury that he gets killed from the dog. Which, by the way. Of the body count in this movie, uh, the beast uh, does his fair share of killing uh, in this movie. He, he kills two. A, he kills two mutants. He's got a, yeah. The beast kills two people in this movie. Um, which, which I guess is we could... proof that dogs are wonderful. Yeah, the <laughs> beast knew it was up. He pushed one of them off a cliff, but then Pluto was killed later. Which I'd ask you. That was almost one of the more gruesome. Not, maybe not deaths, yes, but the Achilles shot where he had, he had ripped yeah. up the Achilles. That was a pretty gory shot um, by most standards even today where he's like playing with the Achilles tendon. That's, yeah, that was gross. Yeah. And uh, was this Pluto? Uh, he's a he's an interesting looking fellow. Yeah. I mean. To put it, his appearance is different because <laughs> that's that's not any makeup right that's just what he looks like yeah that's that's what the guy looks like yeah i think he has some uh-huh. something that um yeah he has a very interesting and look to him the actor's name who was it i had it here but yeah he's has a very distinctive look what's his name he had to be in like other horror movies too, right? I feel like. Yeah, he's got the right look. He's definitely. He definitely. Yeah, that, that's what I'm going for. He's he's got the look for it. Well, I, I, I'm looking this up currently. Michael Berryman, that's his name. Thank God I found it. But I believe he. I thought he was in another Hills Have Eyes. Maybe maybe he made an appearance in. The second one. In the Some second one. No, he's dead. But he's dead. I don't know. <laughs> or just the actor himself. I don't think he's in. Mm. The second one, um, Deadly Blessing. He's in. Oh is... yeah, I forgot about that. He is in The Hills Have Eyes Part Two. Yeah, uh, the. <laughs> yeah, he's in, which came out several years later, but he's in The Hills Have Eyes Part Two. I wonder how they explain him being alive. <laughs> <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I guess most of Act Two is just the hunt essentially the hunt for uh this family and the cannibalistic family coming down on the trailer yeah making themselves known yeah there's a, a, one part 
I, I thought I, I'd bring up during that the, during that that point is there's a shot of Jupiter. I think the first time we see them when they're up in their little hideaway up in the mountains somewhere, and you're seeing mom, the mom, uh, the daughter, and then he has three sons, Mars, Mercury, and Pluto. Uh, and the daughter is the, the woman we saw at the beginning who wanted to leave. There's What's her name again? Um, it's a precious jewel, Ruby. Thank you. Thank you very much. Don't you, like... I call the three suns, like, the planets, and then I call Ruby, like, Ruby. Um, isn't it interesting, like, how the three of them, like... I don't know. Maybe maybe that's like the distinction, you know, that they try to um depict, you know, between like Ruby's kinda like the good one, the only good yeah. one in the family. And everyone else is like terrible and evil and I don't know, I just thought that was interesting. And cannibals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Taboo. Yeah. Definitely. They wanted to eat the baby. <laughs> yeah. That that really was messed up. Yeah, and they were eating beauty. The dog. They're, yeah. But Ruby, you know, had hesitations about it and stopped eating the dog, right? It, isn't that, that's like our second moment of seeing that she doesn't really want to be a part of this. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess if she's, she was born into it and it's like survival at this point. But clearly she's having second thoughts and she wants yeah. out of this if she can in any possible way. Um, but, but, but during that dog scene... I thought there was an interesting shot that didn't really land, but it, it was decent. Is when we we see Jupiter for the first time, the dad, and he's like he's eating Beauty, the dog, and he's like it seems like he's talking to no one in particular, but he's staring the bar- down the barrel of the camera, and he's just like so angry, and he's like I'm gonna kill you, and I'm gonna get your family. Oh yeah, and I think like it was a really interesting shot to show that he's like kind of delusional. Like he's not even talking his family was sitting behind him and he's like staring off of the mountain, but you, but he's looking down the barrel of the camera and it kind of made I thought him he was crazed. I thought he was talking to the audience almost. I thought like, yeah, that's, I thought Wes Craven was doing like a little, like, I don't know. Like I thought scream, you know, breaking the fourth wall a little bit. And I was like, Oh, I don't know if that was him like kind of playing around with the idea. Is that when he kills the dad? At that point, where he, I think it's right around there. Yeah, it might like, have been right before it or right after it. He like literally crucifies him. Yeah, and then and then and then they have him like they set off like an explosive that burns him alive. Is that what happens? Yeah. I, I think it was part diversion, part it, it burned him alive because they they did it because they wanted to get into the trailer, so it brought yeah. the family away, and it also set yeah the dad on fire. Yeah. And it only gets worse. Yeah. That's true. I guess, Lindsay, do you have any third act notes or <laughs> wrap it up? How it You better believe it. Ends? Yeah. Um. You're still here. Very few have made it this far. It's time to meet the satisfying conclusion to the scary movie. Lindsay will provide all of the events in the final act. Yeah, so um, things are looking pretty grim uh, as we're approaching Act 3. Um, the planets, like, go hog wild in the camper um, that the family is in. Um, 
I'm one of like the worst parts. Um, one of them, I can't remember which one. It don't, it doesn't really matter. Um, one of them actually like rapes the sister. Um, so that's like horrible. And um, so the mom and then the oldest daughter are like out there busy trying to save the dad's life. Um, but you know, um, when they come back. Mars, I think one of the one of the planet brothers um, shoots them, and they like abduct the baby, Katie. Um, so what we have left in this particular moment um, is I'm reading here that the husband's name was Doug, like the younger husband. So I'm just gonna call him Doug. Doug, yeah. Um, Doug. Doug. That's right. Yeah. Bobby. Um, Lynn is dying. Right. And then Ethel is dying, too. And obviously the sister, Brenda, is like severely distressed after what just happened. Um, so things aren't looking great. Um, then after that, I think two of the planets go back to wherever they came from, like some sort of cave. Um, and then as we talked about the remaining dog that's alive, the beast pushes one of the sons off a cliff. Um, he does die. Um, so things are looking up, but uh, kind of a sad, disturbing moment is like the mom uh, chains the daughter Ruby up outside and, you know, makes her eat the remains of beauty for trying to be nice to the Carter family, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, and like Ruby is like a more, a lot more sympathetic. Um, you know, she's probably like considered the black sheep of her family. Um you know, and uh, making her more of an outsider, I guess. But anyway, um, so we see that. And then the next day, um, they need to find this baby, okay? Like, um, then the two remaining Planet Brothers scheme to kill the rest of the family. Um, however, um, Beast comes through for us again and attacks one of the brothers. Um, and I think he does kill him, right? Yeah. Yeah. He just killed then, Pluto. Okay. And then um, the brother and sister of the family try to kill Jupiter, and they use, like, the mom, Ethel's dead body as a trap. And then um, Doug approaches the cave where Ruby is, like, attacking her own mom, and she takes the baby, and, like, Ruby and Doug finally catch up. But then we have the last planet, Mars. Um, he, like, Sneak attacks Doug um, until Ruby intervenes, which allows Doug to gain control. And he, like, stabs Mars, like, repeatedly, like, even after he already died. Um, and Ruby is crying, and the baby lives, and uh, the end. You made it. They finished discussing the plot of this terrifying movie. Onward to the fun bits of trivia and production for this film. Yeah, and, and in that last shot where you know, ultimately they get the baby, you know, they get a there's a, a happy ending, but it, it like the last shot is Doug stabbing Mars and it it, it it freeze frames and there's like a red filter that comes over the screen. Yeah, that was that was I was like what? <laughs> yeah. I I think what Quaven was trying to do there especially with the movie was trying to say, Hey, look, we can all be savages. 
where you had this like cannibalistic family that was savages per se living out in the middle of, of, of nowhere eating people and dogs and just killing that you know when push comes to shove these families are the same where even you and this normal looking family can become violent and savage all the while the one critique I would have for that and I, I know some like Roger Ebert had for this movie back in the day is it doesn't really hit home with that point because this family was just going on a vacation and we're more, it's more of a survival defense mechanism for them that they have to like it's either kill or be killed for them I wouldn't say they were actively pursuing to murder to murder right yeah I feel like him coming off a lot, from what I know about Last House on the Left, like, I've seen the remake, not the original. Yeah. Um, like, how that movie is, like, from what I know, pretty similar to I Spit on Your Grave as, like, it's, like, a rape revenge movie where the woman is, like, obviously raped and then brutally takes her revenge on her rapist and then, like... I think that's, like, almost, like, kind of doing the same thing. They're just, like, oh, like, she was pushed over to the edge and, like, brutally, like, murdered these people because of what they did to her. And Mm -hmm. then, like, this movie is, like, kind of doing the same thing except, like, with the, just the violence towards the family. Mm. Like, I don't know. It was, like, Craven was kind of... I don't know, almost going for the same vibe, I guess. Yeah, that seems like kind of his his style, definitely, in the late 70s. And it's what allowed him to become the horror giant he is now and allowed him to do what he wanted to do in the 80s. And Because I, I don't think into the 80s, and correct me if I'm wrong, we'll get into that later in this little subgenre mini-series we're doing. In the 80s, it didn't really seem like he was exploitation horror as much anymore he kind of veered into different subgenres. yeah like i mean obviously you have never on elm street with his more supernatural i guess you could say yeah and slasher uh, too slasher supernatural yeah. vibe um deadly friend i haven't seen yeah uh deadly blessing is that one's weird that one's like i think they're amish yeah, like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Deadly Blessing. Yeah. It's a good one, but I can't really remember it that well. But I think it's another, like, revenge-type movie. But there's some kind of weird twist to it. Yeah. And then you even get, like, Shocker with him later. Oh, yeah. Is. We got, uh, what's his name from X-Files? Skinner. Skinner. Yeah, Skinner's the main is the is the is the main guy in uh, Shocker. Yeah, so he kind of ventures out of this exploitation stuff as he leaves the seventies, for sure. Um, I, I'd like to bring up before we get into like sequels and, and trivia and things like that. This movie, to me, it, it definitely falls into exploitation. It has some graphic image, graphic scenes for you to deal with. But the terror element of it wasn't completely there for me. Was it there for you? Any suspense or terror? And I'd follow up with, I didn't feel 
that terrified and one reason because I felt like a lot of it was gunplay it was like a wild west there was a lot of guns and it was less so like stalking people with knives or like the th- which I feel like that's more of a horror movie like stabbing which you it was a lot of gunfires and explosions yeah yeah I it, felt mostly grossed out yeah and I would say that like even though it's um exploitation it's actually pretty tame compared to the remake the remake amps it up quite considerably um and this one was um okay i guess you know would say would like i would say like i kind of agree with you matt that i wasn't too scared the only thing that i think that surprised me was exactly what you said with like papa jupiter talking to the father He's like, I'm going to kill you, and then crucifies him. Like, that's, like, the only scene that, like, I would say that was probably impressive. Yeah. And and for, like, context sake, in 77, this was, I I mean, pushing the boundaries. I, I would say it's exploitation. They showed some gore stuff, but, you know, the censors were coming down of what you could do and what you could show. So I'm really interested to see the remake again, because I know Craven was involved with that. Didn't direct it but was involved creatively with it to see, you know, what, what you could definitely do more in 2006. So to see what, how he wanted to stretch it even further, I might revisit that. Yeah. Movie. it's a, I would say that's a hard R from what I remember that movie. That was <laughs> definitely around the era of like torture porn, like exactly. movies that were coming out where I feel like every R rated movie had an, uh, the unrated cut. So like the Hills have eyes remake came out. Eden Lake was around that time. Hostels, saws, uh, wrong turn yeah those movies always the unrated cut you find that at a movie store which were still was still existent at that point in my life you go to the movie store and rent a you movie. walk in <laughs> and pick what you wanted <laughs> and yeah. if it wasn't there that was as bad yeah. as bears that was devastating yeah and i mean we, we got to the at that point it's probably dvds but at least in my my home video store, they had the rows of one dollar DVDs you could rent, or VHS. You could you could rent like old VHSs for like a buck for a week and have these movies, um, which is great. Just watching old movies for a buck. Yeah. Those uh, VHS slash DVD players were wonderful. I am looking at one right now. I got really? One. I got one right here. Yeah. I wish I wish they did. Like Blu-ray, DVD. I guess you wouldn't need a DVD, but because Blu-ray plays DVD, but I wish they had a Blu-ray VHS combo. That would sure be. I don't know if that exists. Honestly, I don't think it does. Maybe that's your million-dollar idea, Pete. Yeah, put them <laughs> I, together. I mean, I don't think it's really a million-dollar idea. People don't really collect VHSs anymore. Yeah, because well, they stopped making them. Yeah, but those things go for a pretty penny. Like. If, yeah, like, there's there's some that go for a lot. It's kind of ridiculous. You need to like buy one used, find one at like a, a Goodwill or something. Or you know, I thank God I still have mine from God knows when. I still have this because I was looking. This one was having some issues with the VHS part of it, and I was like, you know, I'll just get a new one. And I was like, no way, I'll just try to fix this one and figure it out because it's so expensive. I I thought they'd be like, I can get one for like fifty bucks. No, they are hundreds of dollars to get a new one mm-hmm. there's ones i believe it that's so like this is super nerdy and i'll keep it brief 
but I'm in, like, a Facebook group about, like, people who collect movies. Multiple ones. Multiple groups, mind you. And the most recent one I joined are, like, people that are way more crazier than I am with collecting movies and have thousands. And they're just like, oh, yeah, I have this Blu-ray player, this 4K Blu-ray player that plays movies from around the world no problem because it's region-free. And it costs, like, fucking a thousand dollars and i was like excuse me and uh, and they're like yeah it's and they say some technical shit that i don't understand i I can't even explain something about dts i don't know i i i really can't pretend what it stands for and then you have some people that talk about laser discs randomly laser discs yeah that was that was a thing for a little bit Blast from the past. You guys ever go to North Street Records? We went to Illinois State University. I I think. Wait. It was right on <sighs> North Street. You know, yes. before you went yes. to the roundabout, um, next to the Coffee Hound, essentially, just a couple I don't doors think down. I, ever did. I frequented it uh, every once in a while, but they used to have laser discs there. Like they had records you could buy, new and old. They had CDs, uh, of course you could buy and they had movies and dvds that were people sold but they had used laser discs that people had and i was like who i always went and looked at that bin it's very small but i was like who's got a laser disc player that's <laughs> selling these or buying them still um some there there's some of them out there there were movies on laser laser discs there was a top gun yeah um, laser oh. disc laser disc is mostly is is movies yeah crazy and it's like are you familiar with the Criterion Collection? Of laser discs, or just the Criterion Collection? Well, they started with laser discs. Is oh, what I was no, I did not know that. I did not Their first started. one ever was Citizen Kane on laser discs. Well, how about that? You heard it here. I did not yeah. know that. Interesting. Well, cool. That that concludes our. Other... Laser dick, laser disc podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in. But laser dick, laser uh, or laser dick podcast. Um, but no, I think that kind of rounds out the movie. Does uh, Lindsay, do you have trivia for us regarding this movie? You can hit us some of that. Yeah, I found some things. Um, so one, you know, as you kind of brought up earlier Wes Craven didn't really want to set out to make another horror film um I think he felt like there was only so much he could do with that and kind of wanted to you know stretch beyond those limits but um turns out that studios didn't want anything else and uh had a hard time so what he came up with um you know what we ended up with um I didn't really put this together myself but it does make sense um, of course, everything I find is usually off IMDb, and um, this is no exception. But the movie um, serves as like a metaphor for class conflict, um, racism, and like other ills of society. Um, so we have like the Carter family. Um, basically, they're like the rich in society or the haves. Um, and then you have the Jupiter family, you know, the total opposite. Um, they're the have nots. Um, so basically, um, this movie is kind of a representation and a very extreme example of what can happen when the two collide. And as Craven had kind of put it himself, um, quote, expresses rage against American culture and the bourgeoisie, bourgeoisie, bourgeois. Um, 
And so the family of cannibals can be represented as any number of oppressed, embattled, and downtrodden minority, social, or ethnic groups. Um, so that's pretty interesting yeah. when you think about it like that. Moving on. Um, so, you know, I think there's a lot of things that um, were involved with the inspiration of Wes Craven to create this movie, but something very unpleasant happened to him on a motorcycle trip with his wife um, that played a part in this movie getting made. Um, they took a rest in a Nevada town, small town, and apparently some locals like literally shot an arrow right past his head and made fun of him, like, for no reason. Um, so he tried to, like, threaten to sue them, but um, they said, quote, they could easily kill him, leave his corpse in a nearby salt mine, and no one would ever know. So that's dark. Um, huh. But it explains a little bit about how we got here. So that's really terrifying to think, like, you know, that was real. Um and then finally, though, um, do you guys feel like the title "The Hills Have Eyes" is pretty memorable? Yeah, like iconic. Like people would recognize it even if they haven't seen it, sort of a thing. Seen the movie? Yeah, yeah. I think it has yeah. some recognition. Definitely, I think yeah. so. I agree, and uh, we can thank producer Peter Locke for that. Uh, the original title. I don't think was as very impressive. Uh, Craven's idea for this title was Blood Relations, um, which I think is kind of forgettable, um, and Locke didn't like it either. And so several titles were under consideration. The movie tested the best under The Hills Have Eyes, which Craven didn't like at first. Um, but yeah, I, I think the title that we ended up with is very memorable. And um, as you said, you know, even if people hadn't, like, I had never seen this movie before, but I knew exactly what I was talking about when he suggested it. So I'm glad that they landed on that. Yeah, it's a catchy title for sure. I think it works on multiple levels. Like, um, it's just catchy. It's, you know, something's Tricky. always watching you. Yeah, the hills have eyes. You don't know the exactly what the name is better than be. the movie, I would say. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, and I, I would say before we kind of roll into Defender Destroy, uh, on the movie, there's something I, I wanted to bring up. I meant to earlier, but I know we brought this idea up in an, an other, a different podcast, an earlier episode. Um, but in this movie, there's a scene in the trailer where it's after, uh, all the, hu the hubbub. And they're trying to tend to the wounded. You see a poster. A ripped Jaws poster? Of a ripped Jaws poster. Correct, yeah. That is what was said, Craven was saying, if you think that's scary, which came out in 75, um, you have basically, that that's not horror at all. You have no idea uh, what <laughs> real horror can be. This is, this is a real horror movie. The Hills Have Eyes. Sort of a middle finger to Jaws at the time. Where we brought this up, this idea up in a different movie. Um, do you guys remember what movie? Uh, basically, yes. Up, oh, all right, Pete. You know where I'm going with this. What's the? Uh, yeah, um, I want Lindsay to take a guess because okay. I know the yeah. answer immediately. I so, don't think I'm gonna get it. You guys, I'll, go go I'll, for it. I'll give Lindsay a hint at least what I'm referring to. Uh -oh. This movie rips a Jaws poster to say, uh, 
Jaws isn't horror. This is real horror. There's another movie that came out after this one that ripped a Hills Have Eyes poster to basically say to Wes Craven, this is real horror. D. I'm at a loss. At a loss? All right. So I'll I'll take it from here. (laughs) Take us away. It is Evil Dead. That's that's correct. Oh, I would have never gotten that. And then when Nightmare on Elm Street comes out, he take he rips an Evil Dead poster. Or there's like a ripped Evil Dead poster, I believe. Close. It's not a poster being ripped, but they fall. As- the movie they fall asleep to. Mm, is Evil Dead. Is the Evil Dead? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I thought, I thought there was a poster in that too. But then I know, and then I think there's something else that happens. In between, and then, in Scream, the movie that they're the guy is like. Do you guys want to watch Halloween or do you guys want to watch Evil Dead? And everyone's like Halloween. <laughs> yeah. In the the other back and forth because those are that's a Craven one. So uh, what's it called? After Nightmare on Elm Street, Rami's comeback was in Evil Dead Two, uh, but it's basically they said you can see Freddy Krueger's glove um, in one of the scenes. Not so oh, much right. a like dig on like you know it's, uh, Halloween or Evil Dead. It was just like kind of an homage to a Craven movie. So yeah, it's been back and forth for a long time. Yeah, between those two. So a little, little tidbit. I because I know he had mentioned the, the poster ripping in Evil Dead when we did that movie. So I feel like I had to mention the original one that started it all. This one. Yeah, that's great. He's gonna do it in Doctor Strange. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Raimi's just like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to give a shout out to my old buddy, Russ Craven. <laughs> yeah, R.I.P. <laughs> but, oh, oh, sorry, one last thing before uh, our Defender Destroy. I meant, I wanted to mention this in my Act 1, that Bobby does a front flip. Ohio. Oh, yeah. yeah that threw me, <laughs> just threw me from the movie. He just like walking like, out in the desert and does just like a, back, like a front flip. Yeah, no I was mention. like, what? Nothing. I was like... Really surprised by that too. <laughs> yeah. Is that gonna come back? Like, is he gonna do that later in the movie? No, never comes <laughs> back. He just does it for fun. Um, but anyway, we can now roll into the penultimate question of the podcast: defend or destroy. We've reached the conclusion of the podcast. Congratulations on making it all the way. You have one final challenge. The terrible trio will decide whether this movie passes the test. Choose wisely. Defend or destroy. Well, you can go first because it was your pick. That's right. This was my pick. That's how we do it. I will go first. I Again, this is my first viewing of The Hills Have Eyes. I was really uh, interested in seeing it because, again, we talked about how iconic it is. Uh, it's Wes Craven. It's one of his earlier ones, and I like a lot of Wes Craven's 80s work and Scream. I love the Scream series a lot. So I was really excited to see it. I think uh, it's it's an interesting film. It's fun to see it for movie for horror history, I guess, to know the, the, the beginnings of exploitation horror, the beginnings of Wes Craven, kind of see where his inspirations come from. But on the whole, I think it was kind of slow i mean it, it it grosses you out in some scenes but um it it lacked um a driving force i felt like to keep me interested a lot 
Um, I feel like slow paced, um, plot jumped a lot of all jumped all over the place. Sometimes I didn't believe a lot of the character stuff like Bobby. Why wouldn't you say, uh, the dog was dead and like let people in on it earlier. So I would destroy the Hills have eyes for that reason. Uh, but I, I definitely enjoyed watching it for the first time, but maybe I built up too much about The Hills Have Eyes going into it to to fully enjoy it. And I, I had seen the original one earlier. Or first, I guess. I saw 2006 first, before 1977. But I'll destroy it. Um, the Hills Have Eyes. I'm also going to destroy this one. I Pretty much everything you said... I agree with um and i would say the remake is better in my opinion from what i it's been a few years since i watched it but i remember at the time when i watched it definitely a lot more graphic a lot more harder to handle but i remember overall being impressed or this one i wasn't i wasn't really that impressed and that's about all i got Okay, um, well, I guess this is the time that I tell you guys that I have a, um, a confession to make, uh-huh. um, which is, uh, while you guys watched the 1977 film, I did not. I actually watched the 2006 version um, on accident, <laughs> and... Uh, so, okay. <laughs> so based on that, uh, despite the fact that this is the Wes Craven unit, um, I literally don't know who directed this, but I don't think it was him. Um, it was not. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so the new one or the newer one, that one was pretty gory. Um, it had terrifying visuals. It was depressing. It was creepy. Um, it had a slightly redeeming character named Ruby. Um, Might have been redeeming in the first one too wouldn't know um i'm glad that not everybody died and um i would give the 2006 version a defend hmm. and that's okay. all i have to say i am surprised to hear that given your track record yeah i know i surprised myself too interesting yeah well now this makes me want to watch the 2006 version because i remember watching it in like early high school when it came out and I remember I mean it's vivid I remember where I was when I saw it so I'm sure it has more of an impact than this one and you know contra- I mean in contrast to differences and I, I just think like this was the the onset of exploitation horror in the late 70s where like that was ramping up and they were testing the boundaries of what they could do what the censors would let them do so like even though I destroy this film Without it, we might not get what we have in the 2006 version, or like where we were allowed to go with horror. And we like the we might like the remake. Uh, not great, it, like, but it, it helped in history of horror. It helped it's develop like the impor- genre. It's important, but like not good. <laughs> yeah, we had and to have those failures like to get to where we are. <laughs> yeah, like I, I definitely know that like. It's definitely popular amongst, like, the horror community because, one, it's Russ Craven. So, like, of course you're going to have its fans. 
but I, you know, I, I don't get the love for it, but that's just me. Yeah. Well, I guess with that, then we have a unanimous destroy of the 1977 version and one defend of the 2006 version. So now you need to say, go through both. So I would say unanimous defend of the 2006 version as well because yeah. no one opposed no one opposed her. <laughs> I think that's safe to say. <laughs> yeah, which is that's interesting. So go check out both at least. I know The Hills Have Eyes is streaming on Shutter. It might I don't know if it's streaming somewhere else, so you could probably rent it on Amazon Prime and Google Play for sure. The remake is streaming as well on HBO Max. Perfect. There you go. So if you have it's streaming somewhere if you have subscriptions, and at least you can rent them. So I'd check out both of them, definitely, because you're getting a destroy for one and a defend for the other. I'm going to go check out 2006 to give me a refresher. So that's interesting. But unless we have anything else, that that will conclude our first film in the Wes Craven uh, round that we're doing. We'll be back next time with the, the second one, which I believe will be chronologically after this one. So we'll probably be in the 80s, maybe the 90s. Uh, for the next one or at least past the 70s will be a later Wes Craven film that we'll be watching but until then get at us on uh, iTunes subscribe there or on SoundCloud Uh, leave us a review let us know what other movies or mini episodes you'd like us to do get at us at our website and tell tell your friends about us tell your parents who knows if they're into horror movies let, uh, let them know that's what we're talking about and check us out we'll be leaving blogs and other mini episode and content for you guys to check out. But until then, I'm Matt Johnson, and I will remain in the shadows up in the hills with Papa Jupiter. Uh, this is Peter, and I'll be over the hills and far away. Ooh, solid. <laughs> um, I'm Lindsay, and I'm going to go watch the movie I was supposed to watch now. <laughs> <laughs> nice.